The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Greetings. And welcome. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I want to welcome you to the Visual Workplace. I'm your host on this, a weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system, our intelligence, into the physical landscape of work through visual devices. Why? So we can work with focus and precision and pace, with safety with flow, so our company can make really, really good profit margins, and so we can enjoy ourselves at work. We can enjoy ourselves along the way. We let the workplace speak. And you know, today we're going to go right into our show because it is a very special show. In fact, it is the first in a series of four or five or maybe six shows. I'm not sure yet. We have a lot to cover. We're going to be talking about smart, simple design. This is the first of it, the horns of the dilemma. (laughs) But first, I want to thank you just a tiny bit. I want to thank you for your emails and letters. I'm so glad to hear from you for any reason. But many of you are talking about how you're using visuality and the things that you've learned or understood through listening to the visual workplace. And I am glad again. I'm really glad. Our next big jump if you uh, decide to accept this mission, is to get you to call in. Oh, that would be heaven. I want to talk with you. I want to hear what you're doing and how you're doing. I really, 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 really do. And you know what? I know that a lot of my shows are not live, and that's because I'm either with you in person traveling or I'm doing hands-on research in some plant or other here or there to have something more to share with you when we are together. So... A lot of my shows are not live, but a lot are live, and I promise to organize more and more of them if you start calling in. As the call-ins increase, then I'm motivated to kind of uh, be there for you, be here for you, you know? For example, I'm going to be going to Honduras and El Salvador in a few weeks, and we could do live shows there. If If you're there and you want to call in, I have many, many friends in those networks, if you start calling in, we can have live shows right there uh, where I am. So think about this. And you know what? Uh, I, I am very, very good at what I do. I can really help. <laughs> if you've got questions to ask, boy, I love to answer them. This is one of my favorite things. The nittier and the grittier, the better. 
Okay, so today at the Visual Workplace, we are going to be talking about smart, simple design, or more exactly for today, about the problems and conditions that create the need for smarter and simpler design. Actually, I wrote this book in 1993. It came out in 1994. It was, my publisher was, oh, wait a second, let me look on the cover. My publisher was John uh, Oliver Wright. R- Oliver White. It's called Omnio. That was their press, and Oliver White was their is the a big company. They are the people who brought us ERP. It's been so long ago. It's been twenty years. It's been almost twenty years since since the book came out. And you know what? That book, which was really important then, twenty years ago, is even more important now, and it's still in its first printing. That means the world wasn't ready for it yet. I really did uh, think that the the world would be interested in simplifying the complexity in its organizations using what I call variety effectiveness to reduce total cost and maximize customer selection. That's the subtitle of the Smart Simple Design book. But they weren't. But I want to emphasize... As we get less complex, it doesn't mean we offer less choice to our customers, not at all. It means that it costs us less to offer them choice, and it costs them less to buy their choice. So we're going to republish the book. We're thinking in about two or three months in Kindle, and maybe I'll also do a hardback. I will um, kind of uh, re-edit some parts of it, but it's a really, really good book. And I am excited to be sharing this with you. So I'm going to begin a discussion now. And I hope that you tune in for all of the shows. And honestly, if you've got design engineering or marketing and sales, and you yourself feel kind of overwhelmed by all the changeovers and all the parts in your systems and all the options that you have to affect in order for your sales to your salespeople to sell them. If you've got that kind of dilemma, you're making your money through options, please listen to these shows. I would be delighted if you have your CEO and your CFO, even more important, tuning in. Because the um, the question isn't what the part or the product cost. The question is more what is its true cost it's true cost what does it actually really cost with all of the stuff that every part and every product magnetizes when it enters our company and we say the same thing for services too services also magnetize or draw lots of function and lots of stuff to it just by entering the stream of value So, you know what a startup, a new startup, has in common with a company that's been around for decades? It's usually that neither one of them is aware of the crushing danger of runaway parts. And I'm going to kind of restrict myself to the notion of parts, and we'll draw out the service implications later on in our discussion in case you miss it. They are cousins of each other. But both kinds of company, brand new company dreaming a big future and a company that's been around for decades and decades trying to dig itself out of its hole and trying to still make 
good profit margin, most of the time, both of these companies will not be aware of the crushing danger of runaway parts caused by uncontrolled product proliferation. Proliferation just means an explosion, uncontrolled product explosions. It's like an iceberg where two-thirds or four-fifths of the mass is underwater. The negative consequences of mushrooming, that's another good word for proliferation, of mushrooming product variation, those consequences are hidden from view. Every company may thrive for a while, but they are each of these companies that I just described, the old one and the new one, may thrive for a while, maybe a long while, but they are heading for the same crash. Deteriorating profits and excess inventory. And they may turn to continuous improvement or lean or even visual to help them, but it will not help them. It will not help them. It will only be able, lean and visual and continuous improvement, will, and even Six Sigma, will only be able to help these companies cope with the elements of this condition, this dilemma, this exploding product and parts proliferation. Visual and lean are coping mechanisms. And that's what I realized back in 93 when I started writing this book. I thought, oh my gosh, I've just spent 12 years of my life developing visuality. This was 1993-94. And you know what? Visual is just a coping mechanism. And you know, lean and visual are competing for the same market, but they are both only coping mechanisms. An entirely different paradigm, a paradigm of thinking and understanding an application is needed. I call it smart, simple design. I call it learning how to substitute positive variety for negative variety. The problem is not your production system. It is not quality, service, or delivery. It's not the customer. The problem is negative variety. So that's what we're going to begin to talk about today. Okay? Because you know what? Every company feels the pressure, this relentless pressure of a voracious marketplace. The customer wants more and they want different and they want what they want when they want it. But our management challenge is to reduce costs and increase perceived, the perceived value of the product, the perceived selection of product. But we have to be very, very clever about this. Did you know that Nike shoes which started in 1963, started in a garage and had only one kind of running shoe. For four years, Nike had only one kind of running shoe. You could buy one thing like the Model T. 1913 to 1927, Ford offered one thing, (laughs) Model T. That's it. You get it in any color you want as long as it's black. (laughs) 1963, Nike starts with one running shoe for four years, building their business on this. In 1967, they added the second shoe, four years later. And you know what? Nike now introduces over 600 styles every six months. New product line every six months. And I know that you're like me. You get a shoe that really works. You want to hold on to it. You can't find it. They not only introduce a new product line 
of 300, 400, 500 new styles every six months, but they withdraw the previous. I'm unhappy. Hmm? But what's that doing to them internally? I mean, even looking, looking at the opening of China and the Soviet bloc and the modernization of Asian com- companies, that alone quadrupled the world's available consumer market, quadrupled it with a potential of an increase in spending that, was, that has been unparalleled in the annals of commerce. Do you know that Motorola sold 8 million pages, pagers, I should say, 8 million pagers to China, just China, in 1993, up from 100,000 in 1990. So these markets are exploding. And that was almost two decades ago, decade and a half. So products are hitting the market like hotcakes off the griddle. Life cycles are collapsing faster than anyone can track. You see this in high-tech products. Products are like fresh fruit. They have this increasingly short shelf life. Products go in and out of market. In in high-tech, it used to be three months. What is it now? Used to be eight months was the norm and far too fast. Now, then it moved to three months. What is it now? These are the realities of the marketplace. More than at any previous time in our history, the market is driven by the customer's demand for choice. The question is, how are you going to respond to it? They are voting with their pocketbooks in unprecedented numbers, and companies are scrambling to plug in with expanded products. And if they are not careful, that very impulse, that pull of the market will destroy their future. I mean, just look at diapers. We'll talk about diapers after the break. (laughs) I know you'll be back. (laughs) See you in a minute. We're going into a break. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at the Visual Workplace. Please come back soon. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. 
Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. So here's another example. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm at the Visual Workplace, and I'm very, very excited to talk to you about diapers as a case in point. Throw-away diapers made their debut in the early 1960s with a single, universal, one-size-fits-all-babies all product. And now they come in dozens upon dozens of differentiated design related to, well, well, everything. Fastening tape, absorbency, color, waist and leg bands, decorative designs, special padding, quote, where boys and girls need it the most. <laughs> Last time I counted, Pampers and Loves and Huggies carried 50 different product codes. That was the last time I caught it. That means in the first writing of the book in 1994, you know that it's increased now. I mean, even horseshoes are proliferating. Do you know that there are over 600 types of horseshoes by shape, by width, by weight, and 50 different kinds of nails? <laughs> So our product variation is exploding at the same time that product life sizes, I'm sorry, life cycles, product life cycles are collapsing. This is unbelievable. Competing through new products has created a whole new set of rules. What does winning mean? What does winning mean? Not just for widening customer choice, but all of the pressures to make really, really good profit margins, all of the stakeholder pressures. I could go on and on and on. Shall I? Shall I go on? I'm going to add a few more, a little bit more fuel to the fire. I guess this is a show that I really want to catch your attention. And I want you to know if if you are dealing with extended changeovers or too many of them, and you have to go to quick changeover in order to get flexibility. If you have stacks and stacks and stacks of parts, and people make mistakes because they use the wrong part, let's just talk about springs and compression ratio, and how easy it is to mix up. This is one of the challenges of visuality, to show merely by looking the difference in compression ratios in in springs and having very sophisticated systems that allow you to pick only the relevant spring, maybe opening doors that are released by barcode, all of that stuff isn't triggered by the part itself. It's triggered 
by the decision to differentiate product and then not have sufficient smart systems to keep that differentiation simple. Because isn't that interesting? You can have differentiation but still keep it simple. And you can have differentiation that's going to turn into money because your company, sorry, change the word, because your customer wants that differentiation, is willing to pay for it, but you don't have to increase your cost structure. It's going to take us a while to build this case. Right now, I guess I've just decided I want to scare you. Let's just use this show as, we'll call this the Halloween show, scare everybody terrify everyone because i want you to think about this it used to be in the in the 1800s that product availability created the market if you could get it to the place to the location you could sell it you know and all these people were going out in their wagons and on these these choo-choo trains out into the frontier to bring product boy you brought product it was snatched up By the turn of the century, 19th century going into the 20th century, price and affordability defined our buying patterns. Hmm? Price and affordability. But that was replaced 20 years later or so. We're getting into the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s by choice and product differentiation. So that was there. People began to want to have choice in the 20th century. But by the 1970s, quality and performance was a dimension that surfaced as a principal consumer yardstick. This is the whole Japanese event. When Japan showed us we could have choice and quality and performance, it changed the landscape. And in the late 1980s, quality linked up with service. And we haven't heard the end of that. Delight your customer, please your customer, surprise your customer, 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 customer became, became king. What does the customer want? And what the customer wants is, this is what the customer wants, total availability, total choice, total quality, performance, service, and they want it at ever-shrinking prices. Ever-shrinking prices. And certainly Kmart has made a market out of that. I cannot believe when I go to Kmart especially, oh no, I beg your pardon, Walmart, Walmart, what things cost. You know, I like to shop at Tarche, I like to shop at Target, but when I go into Walmart, I go there for research and I am just shocked. I almost don't want to support them with my money because I kind of don't want this illusion that we can keep offering total everything to our customers and ask manufacturers to create it for less and less less and less cost, less and less price. I think it really is a kind of, pardon me, don't tell anybody I said this out loud, but it's a distortion of the economy. And I think it puts unbelievable pressure on the humans who are trying to make it go. And it distorts our value system. I mean, there are just outrageous things happening in the boardrooms of the United States and of all other countries to squeeze, squeeze, squeeze manufacturing and squeeze very hardworking individuals so that we can offer all of this stuff 
at ever-shrinking prices. It's a dilemma. It's a dilemma. And, you know, I think when we look at this two or three, four hundred years ago, when I'm not going to be around, we will consider it as a tragedy in the making. I think the value set is getting very distorted, but that, but let's go on with our discussion and let me get off of my tiny soapbox. So I want to talk to you about this idea of disinflation. And it's something that I discuss in the first chapter of my book. By the way, here's an amazing thing. My book sold for $39. You could get it discounted somewhere. But it's now on sale for, I saw it yesterday, for $284 on eBay and on Amazon, for heaven's sakes. So if you've got copies of my book and only 3,000 were made in 1994, get it onto eBay because I think that people will be interested and now's your time to make some money on it. You know that signed copy I gave you back in 1995? You can sell it now. Not that my signature is going to draw any greater price, but but unhopefully it will be in pristine condition because you never read it. (laughs) So let's talk about the age of disinflation. It has arrived. Let me explain it. Disinflation refers to a market phenomenon driven by twin forces. One is rising product value and falling product prices. Formerly, a product selling price before disinflation, a product selling price was a function of cost plus an acceptable margin. Okay? When things were booming, booming in the 1950s, the 1960s, also the 1990s, a business in the beginning of 2000, a business always had the option of absorbing its cost overruns and improving its bottom line by simply hiking up the price tag. That's called inflation. That's the name of that game. And that inflation covered up many sins. But After decades of marking up prices to cover what we call inflationary rises in cost, manufacturers found themselves forced to reverse that. In the face of these other pressures, we call them disinflationary pressures, they found they had to lower the price even though their cost and the consumer demand increased, soared in some cases. What I was talking about before with the Walmart phenomenon. So disinflation is what we call an anomaly. It's an odd duck. That's another word for anomaly. It's an odd duck. Where did that duck come from? It's got three feet and it's pink. It doesn't belong here. It's an anomaly. That's what disinflation is. It's an odd duck. A rush for products normally generates pressure for higher, not lower prices and produces higher, not lower inflation, but this time it's the opposite. What I'm describing is the opposite. We witness plummeting prices in high-tech capital goods and the same falling prices will increase the sale of the equipment, of high-tech equipment. I mean, you just have to look at what's happening with the disk disk drives to see this. My... um, My web guy, fabulous, Harold Hope. You can find him at techpatterns.com. He is a genius of putting together server systems and just solving and resolving these problems. 
on a scale of 1 to 10, he's a 12. His name is Harold Hope, H-A-R-A-L-D, and then Hope. And you know what? When you're around Harold, you don't feel very hopeful because he's, he knows exactly what's going on, and he's very grim about it. And he has told me, complained to me this summer when he came down. He lives in San Francisco now. He used to live in Portland. But I import him to refurbish our system. He said, you can't get good disk drives anymore. They all last, you know what, six months. I used to be able to I, – I could get them if you let me spend the money. Harold's talking to me. I could get great disk drives. So the prices are falling. And by the way, in his case, he's saying – the quality is going down. That's a different issue. Let me go on with my discussion. So the traditional pricing paradigm, which is price equals cost plus profit, is gone. Companies are now using this kind of price targeting designed to price to set the target price for new models based on the customer's perspective. Apple is famous for this. But the pressures to cut costs behind the scenes have become extraordinary. So the message is clear. Your opportunities in today's turbulent, may I call it turbulent marketplace, are truly unprecedented if you can keep your costs down. If you can get them down and keep them down. And you know what? This is where there is a collision. This is the dilemma. People are offering this variety and they're not controlling the, vari- the variety and the triggers of variety going in. And they're trying to reduce costs through continuous improvement and lean and visual after all of these evils have been triggered. This is the problem. Some of you will be brave enough to take this on. We're going to have a show in a couple of shows. Uh, my friend Eric Lale from Total Insight in North Carolina is going to come in and he's going to talk about his application of smart, simple design. And, you know, it will just make your hair stand on end. He worked in the furniture business before he's now a kind of corporate leader uh, working with many, many companies. This is a very, very real problem. I only hope that I'm describing it well enough to scare you, to to get your attention and to hold it. So we're going into a break now. I um, really look forward to talking to you when we come back in just a few moments. Okay, see you in a moment. This is The Visual Workplace. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth. We're talking about not smart and not simple design. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio, every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how 
through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, Visual Edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi again. This is Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Galsworth. Let me get my name out right. I'm at the Visual Workplace with you. I'm glad you came. Isn't it lovely? <laughs> visual Workplace is so, a Visual Workplace is so beautiful to be within it's like the best mansion you've ever seen it's a beautiful it's like the best living museum you could ever imagine it's full of interest it's full of humanity it's full of aliveness but we're not talking about that today in fact we're talking about what precedes the visual workplace and precedes lean that makes lean and visual coping mechanisms they are not primary movers They are coping mechanisms for the kind of complexity that drags your organization down, the kind of complexity that is triggered by unneeded, unwarranted, unnecessary variety. It is variety that is not effective. It is variety that is not pulled by the customer. We totally support variety pulled by the customer. But the cleverness of it is... Give that variety and give it strongly and beautifully, but don't take the complexity on the inside of your organization. And that is what Smart Simple Design is about. That's a book I wrote in 1994. It's still in its first printing. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. <laughs> we'll re- we will re-release it. Maybe we'll get it done by Christmas. I think it could be done by October, but i got to convince my editor, the great Aurelia Navarro. She's kind of sorting it out now. Smart, simple design. Many, many organizations are blazing the trails into new competitive wilderness, the new competitive wilderness of maximum customer choice and keep your costs down. And they are armed with the weapons, with weapons from the dark ages. Not only... Are they continually exposed to attacks from low-cost rivals? But their own business practices are making their own survival, let alone their success, very iffy. And visual can't help you and lean can't help you. Continuous. This is not a question of continuous improvement. This is a question of a new paradigm. Here's the challenge. 
in a world where this disinflation exists, and remember we described disinflation as rising product value, falling product prices, in that kind of a world, cost cutting is essential. The price a company charges is the culmination of every decision it has made along the way, along the line. All those decisions, however, are exposed to the ruthless pressures of the marketplace. So this cost-cutting challenge becomes even more demanding due to the very high levels of product segmentation and international competition in the marketplace. Organizations that are leaders in product variety and product innovation stand to be the greatest losers. Yes, I said losers, because the very variety that has won the markets in the past will sink them in the very near future. And you know what? Many of these companies don't realize it, that they are even in jeopardy. They don't know that they are going to be victims of their own growth. The fact is, even when designed to price mark products create a customer demand that seems to make the company unassailable outside the organization, and here's the, the kitsch, the same products can create complexity and confusion inside the organization. So they're winning the battle outside the organization with these highly differentiated products and great prices. But inside, they're getting clogged up. Clogged up. Supporting an endless flow of varying products triggers a chain of events within the enterprise that will burden the infrastructure to the breaking point, the torrent of new products. This steps up, this stepchild of our widening capabilities with, for example, the computer. The computer has allowed us so much. But it's a double-edged sword. Many, many, many of you who are listening know that. You know it better than I because you're living it every day. One edge of the sword gives the company ability to churn out new products in an unprecedented number and variety, offering customers that selection we were talking about and allowing the company to enter markets previously beyond its reach. But the same computer will release a flood of complexity, leaps in product variety steadily and inexorably. You know that word, inexorably? It means inevitably, like the sunrise. They'll swell the products, the parts inventories. They'll swell your databases. Your nomenclature will not be standardized. Your engineers will create parts that already exist because they simply can't find it in your database because you haven't standardized the nomenclature. There'll be this multiplying geometric myriad supplementary, supplementary activities that support products, material handling, dyes, tooling, fixtures, changeover, maintenance, MIS systems, management information systems, drawings, and then the upkeep of all of that. And then all of the transactions. This is something that is so amazing. And I want to take my hat off to Kodote and Suzue for introducing me to this whole idea of variety reduction many, many years ago. I might get around to telling you the story of how I got involved in this unexpected 
um, adventure. And I take my hat, hat off to Akira Kodote and Toshio Suzue. Let me say it again. Akira Kodote and Toshio Suzue. Right? Last time I heard about them, they were working in Italy. Good place because they do so much product design. But this was 25, 30. This was, let's see, it was 20 years ago. Yeah, it was 20, beyond 20 years ago. So you know what? The thing about this thing, so I'm, so the other part, so I talked about all of the MIS systems, the drawings, the upkeep, the maintenance, the changeovers, but there's something else there, and I'll be spending a good part of one of our subsequent shows on this. It's the transactions, all the invisible administrative transactions, which are called control points, that also create this web, this, this maze, this complexity triggered by your product and, and um, parts for prol- proliferation. The buildup happens gradually. <laughs> this is so unfair. The buildup happens product by product, part by part. And you know what your system, your overall system does? It makes barely discernible micro accommodations to that. So it builds and builds the complication, the congestion, the congestion, the congestion, and the company grinds to a halt. It simply can't handle the detail. I am sure that you have had that as a personal experience over the last three or four or five years of your life where you just are at a point where you can't handle any more information. You're on information overload. And you know what happens? You either throw the cat across the room or the telephone or your computer or a desk, depending on how strong you are, or you just sit down and you start to quiver and quake. You don't want to be violent, but your system is coughing back, can't handle the complexity. Too much. Too much, too fast, too soon, and with, with no relief whatsoever. I had one of those moments. I'm not going to tell you about it. My editor said, stop self-disclosing over the radio. You have 70,000 people listening to you. Do you know that we're up to 70,000? I'm so pleased. I'm really, really pleased. Got all these people listening. Stop Stop self-disclosing. They're not interested. So (laughs) let's talk about the smart organization. The smart organization does this. When... When sales soar and there's a parallel expansion in organizational costs and complexity, a congestion that chokes the infrastructure, when you start seeing the profit, your profits take a nosedive and the company flounder. The smart company, the smart organization understands the dangers of unchecked variety proliferation and they take concrete steps to prevent this. Or if they're already in the throes, like that company that's been around for decades, they get it under control, they attack it, and they reduce it. And that's what the book is about. The scary part is only in chapter one, and I think chapter four, and maybe chapter six or seven. But it also is a great book. It also gives you ways to get yourself out of this mess. 
but they are very, very strong ways. We'll talk about them. And then some of you will undertake it. There's a methodology. You know, that's what Gwenny is about. I'll tell you, what I love the best is methodology. What are the step-by-step, what's the step-by-step protocol for creating a different outcome or dealing with a condition that's problematic, step-by-step? I love that. I love methodology because that allows everyone to build on the brilliance of, of the previous person and create a better, a better tomorrow. We're talking about the iceberg again, that old iceberg effect where most of the negative consequences of your mushrooming variation are hidden from view. The mass remains hidden from view. Okay, so we're going into our final break, and I will say a few, I hope, um, uplifting things (laughs) in the last segment of our show that will help you imagine where we're going to go next. All right? It'll give you a kind of overview, and uh, I think that will help you feel a little bit better about this terrible beating that I am describing. See you in a minute. Thanks. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at the visual workplace and I'll be right back. The business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. What's really going on in Washington? Listen as two of Washington's most experienced insiders, Howard Marlowe and Michael Willis, divulge the strategies of the key players affecting legislation and policy matters every week on The Inner Loop. Unlike most talk shows, which feature hosts that have little to no experience working with the federal government, The Inner Loop is hosted by two professionals who actively work to influence federal policy on a daily basis. The Inner Loop is heard live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 
1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the Visual Workplace. This is the last segment of our show, and today we are looking at the beginnings of a discussion on smart and simple design or its reverse, which is unsmart, unsimple, very complex design that congests the company and brings it to its knees, even though it offers great products to its customer at a good price, a price it can't afford. The dilemma. It's the, the dilemma. And the problem is not the production system. It's not quality service delivery. It is certainly not the customer. The problem is the product itself or the service itself, the variety. So what we want to do in switching over is to find a way to control product proliferation without reducing customer choice. To, to find the causes of this proliferation. And we'll find the causes by finding the symptoms and then going down the causal chain and finding them. And to prescribe a cure. And you know what? The cure, the cure is my methodology. I like it a lot. It's called the variety effectiveness process. And what it is is a systematic process for either preventing and or reducing unwarranted product and parts variation, and here's the kick, while offering maximum customer selection at a least cost sum. This is a great term that I heard the Japanese use back in the 1980, the least cost sum. It was, on balance, the least we could. Considering everything, the least something could cost doesn't mean it was going to cost nothing, but it was the least it could cost, and we determine it. So variety, the variety effectiveness process, which is basically what I had developed before I was invited to write this book by um, Oliver White. The variety effectiveness process is a systematic approach that enables companies to find those optimal levels of both the parts inventory and the processes that are needed to support it. So we're going to impact the quantity and the nature of your processes as well. VEP, I'm using the the short term for it, deals directly with the front end interface between marketing and product design. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged because you think marketing will never listen or sales will never listen. You're wrong. They will listen. They will listen to the logic, the irrefutable logic of variety effectiveness. Marketing and sales also wants to offer their, the very, very best, best to their customers. And won't they be pleased if they can get it faster because the organizational infrastructure has been decomplicated and the total true cost has been reduced while customer selection is maximized Mm -hmm. so it's very systematic it includes looking at your market offerings and this is service as well not just product the structure of your products or services the range of variation within each in this case part type in your parts inventory 
it means that the company will seek ways to reduce that parts inventory, sometimes by as much as 40%. Oh, my God, I said it out loud. By reducing parts inventory by as much as 40%, by streamlining product structures, modularization, design for manufacturability, all of Boothroyd Dewhurst's work of the 1980s or maybe even the 70s, eliminating or simplifying parts, making them multifunctional. I'll be talking to you about it. I won't be able to teach you how to do it, but I'm going to flag you on this language so that it begins to populate your imagination and you begin to see your way. I love this stuff, boy. I love this stuff. I love visuality more than my own breath, and this is my second love. And you will see impressive reductions in the number of production processes and the tooling and fixturing and dye that's associated with it and the paperwork and the computer transactions that's associated with all of that. Specific step-by-step procedures, hands-on tools, eradicate the causes of unwarranted variety in engineering, in marketing, in data systems, purchasing, accounting support, and in operations. Oh, this sounds like snake oil to you, but it isn't. It's hard work. It's very hard work, but it is systematic work. Variety effectiveness, this process, I love it, empowers a company to grapple with the real challenges. There is no place to hide when you take this on, but also the opportunities in today's, what did I call it, turbulent marketplace in this period of exploding customer demand and disinflationary pricing. We answer the central question of every organization, how can we continue to capture customers with products that they delight in at a cost low enough to set a price low enough to compete? to make an acceptable profit and grow. It's a powerful process. I really do want you to be interested in it. I am trying to seduce you into coming back and learning more, really questioning where is that balance point in your company between variety that adds value, and I call that positive variety, and variety that simply adds cost. We call it negative variety. You're never going to get rid of all the negative variety, but you're going to keep a careful eye on it. The first variety is customer-driven. The second, hear me on this, is triggered internally. It is caused by the lack of of understanding. So effective variety is a continually shifting balance point But we want to move more and more towards the positive pole as you rid your company of causes of negative variety and you strengthen the positive causes. The result is Smart Simple Design. Oh, the name of my book. (laughs) Smart because it capitalizes on the best of the company's designs and parts, standardizing, modularizing, integrating as much as possible even as it maximizes customer selection, and simple because it confronts unneeded variation. Hmm? Not just in your production process, but upstream, in accounting, in your purchasing policies, in your purchasing pets. (laughs) Oh my goodness, we're looking into the underwear drawer. In your purchasing pets, where you save a penny or two pennies and you introduce all of these 
thousands of transactions. You don't, you, you, your eye moved away from the true cost of introducing that penny less part. And your profit is being eaten away. I hope you're excited about this. I'm really quite surprised that I'm bringing this to your attention. I kind of put the book away. And then a nice gentleman, I'll mention his name on our next show, from England called earlier this year. And he said, oh, Gwenny, I really like this process. And then I bumped into Eric Lale at the Shingo Prize uh, Conference. And he said, oh, Gwenny, you know, you spoke to me 15 years ago. And this has helped so many companies in my neck of the woods in my work. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I can take this out of mothballs and maybe people will... Uh, be helped. All of us love to help. Well, you know that. We all love to be helpful. Maybe this is a way that I can help you and that you want to be helped. And you know what? You can let your CEO listen to this and it'll scare. It'll scare. It'll make his, let's see, it'll put hair on his teeth. How about that? Or her teeth. It's scary to really look at some of the kind of marketing that goes on with customer choice, customer choice. And we eat it and we, and our company, it's the skids. So I want to thank you very, very much for your time today. You know, I always love talking to you. It's as though we're sitting knee to knee and sharing the secrets of the universe. I find this endlessly interesting. And because you're there, it really gives me a lot of excitement. I love talking with you. So I'm going to say goodbye now. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. We finished our first show on Smart Simple Design. And go ahead and buy it for $284. Buy them up and raise the price to $384. is not that what we're talking about? But we'll have it out on Kindle soon. And I, I want you to uh, take a look and, uh, and do great things. Thank you. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth again and again. And I'm signing off. See you the next time. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.